Good morning. This is Lance Kenmore with the Kenmore team, and I'd like to welcome you to this week's edition of the Tri-Cities Real Estate Update. As always, you can contact me, Lance Kenmore, anytime direct on my cell phone at 727-8977, or visit us on the web at kenmoreteam.com. Once again, I always like to thank John for hosting and everybody here at the station for working to make this happen. Mr. John McKay, how you doing over there? Trying to figure out if Mother Nature wants fall, Indian summer. I, I am all about the Indian summer, man. We have had some nice freaking weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've been loving it. This is like real estate agents' dream weather. Yeah. Not too hot when you get into the houses. It's been... Yeah, it's been absolutely. We're we're taking it. We'll take we'll take it all day long. Well, McKay, we always like to start off the show before we jump into our serious topics with our crazy celebrity real estate story. Mm-hmm. Now, this week we have a new record set, and that was that a house sold in Hollywood for sixty three million dollars at an auction wow okay that's the key the auction so it's crazy so the seller um was an attorney who actually was in chapter seven bankruptcy Mm -hmm. so he had accepted an offer um from the buyer at 48 million Okay. Um, and then what happened was it went to the bankruptcy court and they're like, well, no, you're going you're going to have to auction this off. So then that same buyer then had to go to the auction and it ended up going for 63 million. He ended up wow. having to pay like another 15 million dollars over because there was another group bidding against him. Um, the house is absolutely incredible though. So it is a massive estate on three acres. Um, it is rumored that president John F. Kennedy and Jacqueline Kennedy used this as their honeymoon spot. Um, so there's a lot of history there. It's a 29,000 square foot Mediterranean in Hollywood. Um, with nine bedrooms and 15 bathrooms. It says mm. the house can accommodate a 1,000 guests for parties. That's crazy. I, now, I would I would like to see that and be invited to one of those parties. Um, so I was thinking know. nine bedrooms, 15. 15 bathrooms. Yeah, absolutely. I would not want to clean those. But so, McKay, when you get invited <laughs> to that party, um, I want to be your plus one at okay. the party. Okay, so let's, um, yeah, let's check that place out. But incredible, the house was originally listed at $195 million, But there were no takers. Um, but there were no takers. So they kept reducing the price, reducing the price. The owner got into trouble. Um, and he's really not the only one. There's been there's been some other land recently around there um, that has been that has been auctioned off. So it'll be interesting to see. We haven't heard about property auctions in a couple in a couple years, and so in, interesting to see if there's some things going on underlying in the market. Now, normally I go to a local real estate story after that, but I thought Mm -hmm. it was important to note because a lot of people might be seeing this in the news this week, Um, and it's called the Evergrande Crisis. Yes, China, correct. McKay, I am so impressed with you bringing that housing knowledge. So one of China's largest property developers 
um, they are in dire financial straits right now. So they Ghost have a, cities. They have a lot of bonds out, and they are having to try to sell off assets just to make their interest payments on their bonds yes. so, so that they do not um, go into default on those. So um, is the, will this affect anything in the U.S.? Uh, I mean, I read a couple different articles on it preparing for the show. Um not likely directly, but this is one of those ripple effects where the the other big economies in the world are watching this mm-hmm. um, because, you know, China's kind of been one of the bellwethers for what's going on in the world and the economies. And that is just a that is just a massive, massive organization um, to be going into bankruptcy yeah. th- themselves. So. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what China ends up doing with that and what that starts to look like. Luckily, they were not a developer in the United States, so we did not you know, see direct development from them in the United States. But scary for a lot of people that have put yeah. money down and then they were waiting on condos to be built. And maybe those condos will never be built now in this case. So. So the Evergrande um, crisis, it'll be, we will be keeping a close eye on that and kind of seeing what that looks like in China's housing market. Well, folks, we have been doing a buyer series for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks now. Um, we started to talk about this about a month ago when we really started to see some trends changing, inventory starting to climb back up a little bit. And some of those buyers that might have been pushed out of the market two, three, four months ago, um, we've been talking about how do you still capitalize on these low interest rates? How do you still capitalize on a housing affordability index that we talked about on one show that is still good? And so we went over a lot of different criteria. We talked about um, we talked about crafting a winning offer. We talked about having the right amount of savings to get into a house. But I think that it's more powerful to hear from an actual person that has gone through this. And then since since the millennials, you guys out there are driving us with the biggest buying group right now in the United States, I thought, let's go try to capture a millennial and then bring them into the studio and talk about their buying process. So luckily I had one on the team close by me. Um, welcome to the studio, Brett Patrick. Thanks, Lance. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited excited to have you here. And I see, you know, in classic millennial fashion, you have the beard yep, um, going bit, on. Is yeah. That, is, that, is that a hunting beard? Yep, that's a week in the backcountry beard going on. <laughs> okay. I would like to say I'm the only one in the office that has this going on. Uh, uh, um, okay, got, so. got you, got you. No, we do, we do poke fun at the millennials every now and then, but, um, but we want your money when you're buying houses. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> that's a, that's a, <laughs> Wait, I so, thought millennials don't have any money. No, no, they do. Oh, okay. It's been proven now that they do. Oh, like yeah. yeah so, okay. um, so we're so we're excited. So, Brett, you know, a lot of times, you know, people think, "Gosh, I'm never going to be able to buy a house, or I need to make, you know, a million dollars to, you know, in this market to be able to afford one." But you, you have a very compelling story. So, I was gonna. And actually, what we're talking about is you're now a millennial move-up buyer. Like, this is the second time now that you've done this. So take me back, though, for somebody that is just getting into the market. Um, They might not have enough savings that they have. Like, if you go back to when you first purchased, 
What did you do to prepare for that? Well, uh, when I first started preparing was when I first started working with you. That was um, almost four and a half years ago. And I, when I started working for you, I remember we kind of came up with a plan. And I had gotten myself, as most young people do, in a little bit of credit card debt situation. It's a, you know... A couple credit cards and a, and, a, and a truck at the time and nothing crazy, you know, it was just like $3,000 on a credit card and, you know, like $16,000 car loan and a, and a couple other small like PayPal things. And we said, hey, what we should do is first pay those off. And Absolutely. I remember that. And that was a that was a goal I had for a year was to get all of my credit card and, and credit debt paid off minus my, my truck. And then that was going to be the next thing. So that was the first step that I took was, was creating a plan and budgeting to get those paid off. And it wasn't just that, like you were in a spot where you had had something pretty drastic happen. Like I remember you were, you were like side hustle. You had a fashion line. You had an awesome, I, I mean, I think I have some of the OG shirts maybe in my closet, Yeah, but you, and then all of the sudden um, you, you're working on this business, you're building, and then bam, you get hit with what happened. Yeah. So randomly, I got an email one day, um, and it was it was a it was an informal, basically cease and desist by someone that had the name that I had. They had it. They had just gotten it trademarked, basically, for lack of a better term, out from under me. And they had basically said, "Hey, if we, basically, like if you don't stop, like we're gonna send you like actual paperwork." And it was. So an informal cease and desist, and I was like, you know, contacted a, a trademark attorney just for advice on what to do, and he was like, you can try to fight it, and you know, it'd be three to six thousand dollars in legal fees, and you might win. And yeah. at that point, three to six thousand dollars was just, you know, this was a shoestring thing that I was just doing on the side. That was not something that I had to be able to fight for a maybe. Yeah, and so we took a look at that, and on top of some other things, you had, to, like you said, a little bit of other debt with that, and mm-hmm. so. So that that looked insurmountable at it first. Did, I yeah. mean, I remember sitting down and you were pretty dejected about that, but then yeah. you but then we set out a plan and you thought that you could be ready to buy and what? How about long? A, about a year or two, I thought it would take. Okay. Yeah, this was yeah, maybe two it was two years is what what our my goal was. I, I remember, yeah, it was two years. Abs- absolutely. And so and that was just so so there's no magical formula. I didn't give you like a pill. Like no. from a bottle? No. No, like you had to go to work and yeah. pay off your debt. Yeah, no loans from mom and dad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, which is a part of the process, but I love doing that with people like you where we can sit down and say, here's the X amount of dollars. We put so much towards this every mm-hmm. month and then it's gone and then you could start looking at houses. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. Just started, kind of did, you know, the typical, I remember we kind of did the typical Dave Ramsey, you know, plan where we started out with the mm-hmm. lowest one first, which was my PayPal credit. And we got that one paid and I had a another uh, credit card that had like 3000 So once we got that one and, and in about a year, I remember we we had it paid for it, all of it paid for minus the truck they had. And that was the only, the only debt other yeah. besides the, the other stuff. And I remember that was, that was super, super good feeling to get those paid off. Cause I was like a, at the time, I was like, dude, this is going to take me a long time. Brett, you need to get your act together. We need to figure this out. And having a plan with someone who also holds you accountable was huge. Yeah, no. And, you know, I, and I, I, like I said, you know, 
holding you accountable was easy. Glad to do it. You had to go do the work. I yeah. mean, and so that was that. That's just absolutely awesome. And not a lot of people will stick to that. And you did it relatively fast. And I think we're going to see as the story unfolds that the payoff there was huge. So you finish up, mm-hmm. and then you're in a good spot. And then before you go look at houses, who do you talk to? Yeah, so I talked to a lender, our, our favorite lender, Mike Denslow at HomeBridge, yep. um, and he, yeah, was like, this is what you can afford as of right this moment. This is what you can afford in a year from now if you keep going on the track, and we kind of made a game plan of what I needed to do next to kind of get to that a um, little bit higher price point. Um and just so I would have a little more options, and so that's that's what we did. We kind of went over all my financials with a, with a lender, and you know it wasn't, you know he was like, yeah, he basically said, hey, you should probably work on this for about another year, save some more money, get some get some income um, up, and you'd be in a really good spot. And was he like mad at you, kick you out of the office because you didn't buy right away? No, no, okay, not at all. Yeah, okay. Well, it's good. I mean, it's it's we talk about that a lot, and I I love having you on the show because sometimes people are like, oh, everyone says that, but no, like you had a plan here that was not immediate. That was like a year out, year and a half out. Um, And I love what you said there, and that's huge. And that is if you've kind of looked on Zillow and you you or. You've gone to the Kenmore team side or Redfin. Anywhere you look, you start to develop, like, I think this is my price point. Mm-hmm. Like, man, mm-hmm. everything I like is 320 Yeah. You know, and you look at that, and then you were able to go and say, and Mike was like, hey, you're like, your price point, your like price point is 320 Your reality price point yep. is 220 For sure. Um, but you said, like, he told you, Here's how much you need to earn to get this house. Yeah, or how much debt you need to pay off. He's like one thing he said is like, hey, if you pay off your truck, like that that'll that'll boost it all significantly that debt to income. And I so okay. I remember I remember that was one thing. So I specifically remember that one. Yeah, well, that is just great, great nor- normal advice. And then yeah. it comes down to you have to then um, purchase something. Yep. So you've got your you've got your budget. Um, and then you start you start looking, and I mean, what are your first impressions as a buyer for your first home as you start to look? Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely tough. There wasn't a lot on the market, just like there is now, it's, and that was two years ago. And and at the time, I, my price point was the like one fifty to one sixty price point. Yep. Um, and one sixty was like a hard top, so it was like one fifty, and even two, you know. Two years ago, that was really difficult. So, um, and, and I was, and let me guess, every house you saw, you loved. Oh well, no, I did look at no. <laughs> no, no, no. I would go look at some, and I was like, "This is too much work." Okay, <laughs> yeah. it'd be, it wasn't my price point, but I, I was like, "I don't want to redo drywall." <laughs> like, <laughs> no. So you so, had you had some criteria. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. So I was looking for stuff that was maybe needed cosmetic work, but nothing structural because that gets spendy. Yep. Cosmetic paint, tile flooring, stuff like that is is pretty doable and affordable for most people and like myself especially so that's one i was looking for i was like it doesn't have to be cosmetically pretty but needs to be structurally sound for the most part well i think the cool part about what you just said there is that you you know for your first home there um i love what you said is that you had some flexibility in condition yes you know meaning it didn't have to be perfect it Mm -hmm. wasn't going to be perfect and i knew my price point it wasn't going to be (laughs) right but but you still what made you 
what made you want to buy? I mean, I mean, I'm just, I, I'd like people to hear, you know, I, I mean, I'm not here to talk people out of buying, but you're a young guy. You're, we hear store news stories that you guys have lost the American dream and that, but like, what, why did you want a house in the first place? Well, of course, you um, the first thing that comes down is <laughs> the first thing that goes to my head is I had three roommates at the time that yep. we lived in a house together. And so getting my own place after, after a while, I was like, was it was either if I was going to rent something by myself or buy something, I was like getting to the point where I needed my own space. Ah, okay. Uh, so that was, that's the first thing that comes to mind, but also, um, just having something that is my own, that I can put my own, um, style into and my and just be able to play, be like hey this is my house that i own also i really wanted a dog at the time and we all know how landlords are with dogs so <laughs> yeah. uh, so says the property manager yeah, yeah if you didn't know i work in property oh management gosh, so. that, that, that is that but no these are great reasons this is why people yeah. buy property a lot of times it's you know we talk about the market and the pricing and the investment but this is why people buy property. You wanted to put your own take on it. You want something that had your own style. You wanted to have a dog. Like mm-hmm. this is like these are great reasons to buy your first house. And mm-hmm. so I I love hearing that. Um and we we know at the end of that, you know, at the end of that you found one, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. It was I was I was getting to the point where I was like I was looking on the MLS because I have access to that, which if you work with a real estate agent, you would as well. And then I was looking on Zillow, and even now, every now and then, I would check Craigslist just to see if there was a. I don't always recommend looking at houses for sale on Craigslist, but every now and then you might be able to. I was trying to find creative ways to find a house. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one day I was on. I got a Zillow notification because I had a notification for Zillow and on the MLS, and and I had a bunch of different notifications, and I got this notification for this house, and I, and it popped up, and it was a Google Street image view which obviously isn't the most attractive attractive or like oh my gosh like it's not gonna make you super excited right and the pictures that i that this for sale by owner had taken and put in put in put on the on zillow looked like they've been taken from a nokia phone from 2002 (laughs) so like them so and i was like Interesting. Try to find an old listing or find pictures of it, and it had been a rental since like 1995. So okay. there had been no previous listings, no previous photos, and the photos that were on there were really not the greatest. And so um, I called up the owner, and I was like, "Was like, hey, I want to come see this house." Um, so we met him there, and 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 I think that's what kind of helped was just looking at everything, even if it's like okay, like yep. And I was looking at properties, even like in some spots. Or some conditions, I mean, that were, I was like, oh, maybe this will work. And I got there and I was like, no, this will not, like, this is too much for some, for even for a single guy who um, has, is pretty handy. Yeah. I did well, not I want think to. the key in that is your flexibility. And I really think it was your work ethic plus your flexibility mm-hmm. that allowed you to get into this house. Yeah, for sure. We are coming up on our first hard break. We've just got you into your house. We've yep. talked about that journey. When we come back, we're going to talk about some inventory on the market and then where the story unfolds and how it... Welcome back to the Tri-Cities Real Estate Update. We have been talking with an actual live millennial buyer. Not a single buyer, a move up buyer. I mean, and so we've been doing our buyer series and we wanted to cap that off with an interview 
with a, someone that has done this, that put it into practice. We uh, Before the break, we talked a little bit about how that went. What I am going to do, though, is I am going to get a pick three in because I know that Brett and I will get talking and we'll run out of time <laughs> and we'll forget about business. So pick three this week. Um, we have some great inventory, and I'm bringing all of this inventory in under 500000 this week. So pick number one, 3774 Lincoln. This is a Southridge neighborhood, Sagecrest. This is like buying new construction without having to go through all the hassle. 2,400 square feet, three-bedroom, three-bath, gourmet kitchen, has a large island, granite countertops, stainless steel appliances. Even has one of those activated faucet where you just, you know, wave your hand and love it. So um, very, very cool property. Upper level, you have a master suite with a gorgeous master bathroom. Um, there's also a 15 by 12 loft area flex space that is super cool. And then your third bay in this garage is tandem. So you're actually mm. a four car garage in this property, fully fenced backyard. And that's all that's coming in at 475,000. Wow. Taking you um, across Kennewick, 6421 West Arrowhead. Now, this is an investment opportunity. We don't see too many of these on the pick three, but this is a very nicely maintained duplex in central Kennewick. 2144 square feet. Um, There's two beds, two baths on one side, one bed, one bath on the other. The two-bed side has um, LVP flooring throughout. It looks really, really modern, and they're very, very clean. Lots of off-street parking, fully fenced backyard, and that's coming in at 396000 So for an investment opportunity duplex. Pick number three, 4117 West Medaline in Kennewick. If you've said, I cannot buy a house, there's nothing we've been talking about purchasing um, there's nothing under 250. Here is a great option: 245,000, and this is a three-bed, one-bath West Kennewick Rambler. It has the original hardwood floors in it that have been refinished. Ooh. They're absolutely gorgeous. Um, great kitchen, plenty of counter space, stainless steel appliances. Um, you have an oversized one-car garage, off-street RV parking. Um, and another fully fenced backyard. This is it's it's hard to find anything that looks this nice for two forty five. So that that is our pick three um, that we have today. Um, back to talking, we have in the studio with us um, one of Kenmore Team's own Brett Patrick from our property management division. Brett, thanks for opening up today, being a little vulnerable here, and kind of walking us through like. The purchase process and then the good things that can happen from that. So before the break, we talked about you had just gotten into a house. Uh, We're going to fast forward a little bit to a year, year and a half later. Um, You're doing some sweat equity. Mm -hmm. What did you do to your previous house, the the first one you bought? Yeah, so I did some some um, exterior siding repair. The original owner or the owner before me had done a Band-Aid 
fix. So they put MDF trim on the exterior of the house. And if you know what MDF is, it's made for it's the interior trim you see in houses. So it was <laughs> not, getting not supposed to be outside. Yeah. So we yeah. had to go through and remove. Me, when I say we, mean my dad um, had to go through and remove that and add some a new basically um, bottom band around of some trim. We did some interior paint. Um, I did LVP through the whole thing. Now the house is only 600 square feet, so it took us like a day. It was super easy. Um, and then I retrofitted oak cabinets from another house that someone was doing a full kitchen remodel that I got for $250 and paint them white and put black hardware and put them in the kitchen. Um, did some subway tiles, you know, got to go with the trendy subway tile and, and then repainted the exterior gray with white trim. And that was pretty much it. And there you go. So these are sweat equity projects, um, that you were able to do. They have a high return, Mm -hmm. increase the value of the property. Now, at the same time, you, you start to look around and you're, and you're, you start to see some things happen. Mm -hmm. The market shifts again. Mm -hmm. And you look around, and, and what, what happens in your neighborhood? What does a typical person that lives in a neighborhood do? Oh, every house that goes for sale, they see what it sold at. <laughs> that's, okay. and, and as being a real estate agent, that was super easy for me to do. So <laughs> so, so you start to see what happening on your block. Yeah, it was prices we kept... You know, this house would sell for one ninety, and then this house was gonna. This one sold for two two hundred, but it, then it actually closed at two oh seven, and I was. And so now my hundred fifty thousand dollars house that I bought a year and a half earlier was starting to have a lot of equity in it. Have a lot of equity, yeah. And and plus, you've put in some sweat equity, yep. so you're kind of doubling up. The market's going up. Yep. You're making repairs and stuff, um, and then at the same time. You've continued to work and advance mm-hmm. your career. Mm-hmm. So now your income's going up. Yep. I mean, you're, you're like adding gasoline to this yeah. fire. Yeah. So what is, what is, what is the millennial brain think then start to think? Well, um, it put us inside that yeah, millennial. Well, be, selling sounded really attractive because I was like, <laughs> it's only been two years and I could, you know, pull out this much equity if I sold and put that on something a little bit bigger with a gr- my house didn't have a garage and that was I was starting to collect lots of tools from all my house remodel and my shed was getting pretty full Okay, and so I was getting something that was just a little bit bigger not maybe not any fancier but just bigger okay. it was starting to be, look really attractive and and so and that's kind of a that's what happens in a move up situation mm-hmm. is we see people um, and they start to their needs change a little mm-hmm. bit like you just said I did all this home improvement i collected all these tools now and i'm starting to fill up that second bedroom that that i had and then you know and then i don't have a garage so so you start to look around and and this allows and that is kind of the move up like what can i get that i didn't have you know in my previous residence and so so here you are now and i like i mean the best part about this story is that Without that equity increase from your first purchase, are you gonna be are you gonna be buying the house you have today? Not necessarily. No, it would have been it would have been a stretch. A stretch. Okay. Yeah. So so that initial buy and jumping in, that was kind of the catalyst that mm-hmm. gave you the equity you needed mm-hmm. to now move mm-hmm. to a to a different home. Yep. Um well that that now that is a great. I mean, that is a great story. Like yeah. this, like makes my real estate heart like start puttering, you know, pitter, pitter, pitter patter. So, yeah. Um, and so here you are now, and I know it's real new, and you just closed and stuff. But 
How does it feel to be in your new place? Oh, it's great. So I went from 600 square feet and I doubled it. Okay. 1,200 square feet <laughs> okay. with a three car or two car garage. It's it's an extended, so it's got a 30 foot two car, which most standard two cars are like 20, 25 feet. So it's okay. It's a lot bigger, um, and it's it's great. Like having something a little bit bigger, not and just being getting all this done. In, in two years is is crazy to me because two years ago, if you would have asked if I would have owned two houses, yeah. um, I would have laughed. Uh, abs- absolutely. And so, but it is, if you're not in the market, and that's what a lot of people talk about today. And we hear a lot of people say like, well, I think I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait till prices come down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think you were saying that same thing a year and a half or two years ago when we were looking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was, I was either gonna have to wait till some, some, something happens on the market side or with myself, and it ended up being with myself. So okay, well, I think it's it's a huge, it's it's a great story to pull that trigger because, like yeah. you said, if you're not in the market, you will not be able to take advantage of those upside ec- equity pushes. So for sure. Well, Brett, we um, we all at the Kenmore team, we're super proud of you um, for continuing that real estate journey. It's exciting to hear from a, a young man that is, that is doing that. Um, I know this isn't a dating show, but I mean, I mean, I got to think you're sounding pretty attractive to some of the ladies out there right now. Yeah, my cell phone number's on the Kenmore team website. So, 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 yes, I, I think you know all aspects of real estate have been have been covered here. Um, thanks for taking the time to come in. On a side note, as we wrap up, you um, you do a lot of uh, business development stuff and work mm-hmm. with investors. Yep. On our property management side, yeah. and so people can find you. What's the website for property management? Yeah, Kenmore Team Property Management. It's a long one. dot com, um, or on the normal Kenmore Team website, there's a link to it uh, from there as well. Absolutely. If you have any questions about that or what this journey looks like or how you can do the same thing. Go to KenmoreTeam.com, shoot us a message. We would be glad to talk to you guys and help you out on the journey. And we will be right back here next week. Right here on News Talk 870.